Luke and Susie exploring faith, family, culture in fun and meaningful ways. And my next guest is someone who, a conversation with him many years ago, has never left me. And it came to do, it came about with us talking about a shared experience we have where, where God may have robbed us of one experience in life that others may get to, to live in the vast glory of their flowing locks. Unlike my next guest and I, Steve McKnight, who is with us right now. And despite the fact that he is a money man and an investment man and a best-selling author, we sat talking about our receding hairlines on this particular day. Uh, We're about to get to Money Magnet, how to attract and keep a fortune that counts. But Steve, our hairlines are not what they used to be. (laughs) You know, Luke, I did hear one time someone say to me something that I've never forgotten, and that is that God only made so many perfect heads, the rest he put hair on. And I cling to that. I cling to that every day. We were actually talking about hair when it came to money, because you were explaining to me an example of a mindset that has always been used by me since this point. And that was you were talking about this, you know, there was this kind of maybe I want to get some hair treatment, maybe I want my advanced hair, yeah, yeah. But then you looked at, at what it was and then you went, I think about every dollar as a soldier. And my question is whether or not I'm willing to lose these soldiers for that purpose. And I'm as a, as a, as a captain of the army, am I prepared to sacrifice the life of every soldier in order to get my head with hair again? And, and that imagery has never left me, Steve. It's true. I mean, if people thought of their dollars as little green soldiers and every time they sent a soldier to their death by wasting money, how you know how good a captain are they in the army? Maybe they would think differently. For me, we all want to look younger. We all want to fight the effects of gravity. But I was like, look, God made me this way. I'm just going to embrace it. <laughs> One of the things I've always appreciated about, appreciated about you when you talk about money is how understandable for those who are not accountants and are not you know, expert investors, that you really are able to speak a language for, for every one of us. And we have a lot of financial guests want to be on the show, but what I've found over the years is most of them cannot speak to the average man. They go, all you got to do is save up $50,000 and then you can, and then they're like, but that's not the average person in their wheelhouse. And yet you're talking about, let's break it down to literacy. Let's talk, break it down to how we understand money. Let's talk about the soldiers. Or let's talk about these little things of how we start from where we are. Because no matter whether we're born with a lot or we're born fighting for everything we've got, Steve, we're in a sense, we've got a different capacity. We've got a different army size, but we're all battling in the same war. We absolutely are. And right now, Luke, the cost of everything is just making it so hard for people to be able to juggle their finances. But money problems tend to start before we even know it. I don't know about you. Did your parents teach you how to drive? Yeah, tried to and it infuriated them. And then I got an instructor who yelled at me too, but they gave it a shot. Yeah, well, when it comes to money, it's like trying to learn to drive with our parents. We pick up their good habits, (laughs) but we also pick up their bad habits. And that sets us on course for our whole lives about how we use and think about money and how we use and think the money is how we teach our kids. And so these problems, these bad habits that our parents didn't even know they were passing on because they received them, we pass on and particularly the struggle with money becomes generational. Well, I'm big on empowering people. I'm like the instructor. I'm like the the learning instructor that says, you know, come and take a couple of lessons with me. 
We'll get you checking your mirrors like we should. We'll make sure that you're not going to hurt yourself or hurt someone else. Maybe we need to unlearn some of the things that mum and dad taught you. They meant well, but, you know, they're not actually really legal. <laughs> but, you know, that, and that's what we do. And over the course of time, you don't need an accounting degree. You don't need to be really smart. You definitely don't need to be really rich. You just need the basics down pat that'll get you through life and if you know these things and then like I said they're not hard but if you know these things then you can start to attract more money and more importantly keep more of the money that you attract one of, one of the things from my childhood is I what I realized is I, I I regret what I paid attention to I paid attention more to mum who was not great at money managing she had other skills in life but she spent but I didn't pay as much attention to dad, which I didn't appreciate until afterwards. When I realised before line of credits were common, before you know all that, when you know credit cards were giving you rewards for spending, my dad, who didn't finish high school, who did grade eight, and told it told us he was dumb all the time. I realised he set up this system where he used a line of credit, but then paid for everything on his credit card, which gave him rewards, and then paid the credit card off before the interest rate date kicked in, never paid a lick of interest but got all the, the benefits for using his credit card and, and he was making the system work where he never went into debt. He was always responsible but he got all these bonus rewards and he told me he was stupid. He told me he wasn't very smart but he was, with his money, a genius at how he managed it and I paid more attention to mum and less attention to dad and I regret that. Well... You can't really change yesterday, but you can plan for tomorrow, can't you? Yeah. The the thing is, whether it's mum or whether it's dad, we do tend to gravitate towards more one parent than the other. In my case, my dad sold trucks for a living, earned a commission. There was never a lot of money around during the lean months. Mum taught piano after school, so she didn't earn a lot of money as well. And I grew up in a household which was – sort of in the middle of middle class and they both tried very hard but there wasn't a lot, of, a lot of money around and that then sculpted the way that I think about money and tend to be quite frugal and a bit of a spendthrift, throw back to what we mentioned earlier about saving those soldiers, rather than someone that just spends and, and doesn't keep track on it. But one, once again, you've got to be careful about rewards points because no one I've ever met got rich off rewards points and anything that's an inducement to spend, like, oh, I'm being rewarded, is sometimes a bit of a danger that needs to be really well managed. Yeah. So so I'll, I'll really put in a caveat there for my dad. He never spent anything he wasn't already going to spend and his rewards mm. he claimed on petrol. So he was an expense <laughs> he was going to have to have that he now didn't have yeah. to pay for. This is where I go. He he was actually really intelligent and he was frugal equally. He just used the system, but he he never gave himself the credit that he probably should have. He was actually quite intelligent with it. Uh, but in the midst of this, so when you look at both not just your experience or me telling my experience, but as you've spoken to thousands and hundreds of thousands of people over the years that you've been in this field – when it comes to our understanding of money, is there a similarity of the things that we're mostly getting wrong that we can easily fix? What do you find is that common thread that we can adjust quickly? Mm, excellent question. The number one mistake that people make is they spend money they don't have. And when you spend money you don't have, what you're doing is you're reaching into tomorrow and taking tomorrow's earnings and spending them now. That's what debt is. Debt is someone lending you money against tomorrow's income. 
And once you spend tomorrow's income, then you have to work tomorrow and you, you don't get paid twice. The more debt you have, the more tomorrows you owe, the more tomorrows you owe, the less financially free you are. In fact, many people sell themselves into a modern version of slavery. And the mistake they make is they're like, oh, it doesn't matter, I've got time, I'm young. And all of a sudden, your 20s turns into your 30s, turns into your 40s. You're scrambling to get the kids into school, pay for their education. You keep thinking, oh, there's time tomorrow to make it work. There's time tomorrow to make it work. But you run out of tomorrows to make it work. A statistic which really worries me, Luke, is that three quarters of the people who retire need the pension to survive. Now, that's three quarters of people who worked their whole lives earned a lot of money, spent a lot of money, thought they had time on their side to make it happen, end up needing government assistance for the rest of their life to f- survive. And that's a great fallback position. We live in a very lucky country where that's a possibility, but it's not the plan you want to have as your A game. You, you've got it a fallback position, but why not, if we can, learn some simple things so we avoid it? rather than live in ignorance and then end up there by mistake. Right. So when you talk about debt and and borrowing off tomorrow's income, there is also a section in this book which is labelled good debt and then there's bad debt and there's worse debt. So there is an understanding of is is there such thing as good debt? There's actually not. I say there's only two types of debt. There's bad debt and there's worse debt. Now, debt is something that you can use in a sort of frenemy type way where you use it to get into to get out of it, and that's just to leverage what you can do. But the smartest people I know when it comes to money have assets and no debt because if my grandfather used to say, if you don't owe money, you won't go broke. And therefore, I say to people, Even in an investing context, that's the only time I would recommend using debt. And if you get into debt, make sure you get out of debt. Have a plan for getting out of debt if you've got a plan for getting into debt. Now, a lot of people don't plan to make a mess of their financial lives, but a lot of people are not planning not to. They're just Mm -hmm. flumming it day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, hoping somehow it's all going to come good. Well, remember this, the more you do of what you've done, the more you'll get of what you've got. Now, what does that mean? If you want a good indication of how life's going to be like for you tomorrow financially, just take a look at how life is today for you financially because how your finances are right now is a good testimony to the skills that you've got around money. And if that situation isn't where you want to be tomorrow, then you need to change. You need to have what I call an intervention. You've got to find something or someone that's going to give you a course correction or you'll keep doing what you're doing and you'll keep getting the same result. There's nothing quite like doing an audit of your spending if you don't keep track of it and actually noting down how much you spend on takeaway and unnecessary items where you go, is our life richer because we spent that much? We're not even talking about saying making it zero, but we did this recently and it mortified us. And we sat down with our kids around the table and said, you know, what do we want our life to be like? Everyone drew their list and we went, great, all of that costs money of which we're throwing away every day when we go through a drive-through and we <laughs> get this. So we engaged our children in the process. We need to make some choices. If that's what we want, then we're going to have to make some different choices over here. And it's been an interesting process to continue to communicate with our kids those choices we're changing. You know, in the book, in Money Magnet, I talk about how budgets are 
a waste of time for most people. And it's pretty controversial because we're all taught you've got a budget, right? The importance of budgets. But to me, budgets are like diets. No one wants to go on a diet. No one wants to have to stay on a diet. Everyone's happy the day the diet ends. So rather than have a budget, which is like a stick, it's much better to have a carrot. Well, if the budget's a stick, what's the carrot? Well, I like the word allowance because as kids, you know, we got pocket money. We had an allowance. We were allowed to spend the money. Well, if we rephrase the way we think about money and say, well, look, I have an allowance and that allowance might be for your favourite thing, whether it's coffee or I don't know, it could be Rubik's Cubes, could be anything, whatever whatever floats your boat, as the case may be. But whatever that is, you're allowed to do it up to a point, whereas a budget is more about telling you what you can't do. And there's a, a handy little tool in the book, which is a, a GDR 70-20-10 framework, which includes giving, which I think is essential under the principle of sowing and giving. You don't expect to get a generous result in your life if you're not first generous to others. But then it goes on and says, well, you know, 70% for this and 20% for that and 10%, and that's your allowance. And go go nuts. Go up to your allowance. Spend your money. Enjoy your money. I mean, it's not designed to be restrictive. It's designed to be empowering. But because of the way people use their money, it ends up being disempowering. And you can retire early. You can retire free. You just need to be empowered. You mentioned before about the frenemy relationship when it comes to debt and uh, you mentioned there about you know, effectively alluding to mortgages and, and, and spending money that's, that is sort of, we can understand why we want to build that asset. But so I was a little uncertain about, so what are you telling me that you think is the best thing? Is, is buying a mortgage that you don't, that you have to get a loan for and get a mortgage for, is that a, is that a problem or is that okay to what point? Yeah, well, if you do what everyone else has done, you'll get what everyone else has got. Now, this is going to be a bit of a giant wake-up call. Most people, what they do is they get into their 20s, they get some education or they go and get a trade, and then they're taught by their parents that the next thing to do is to go and buy a house. Now, obviously, the cost of houses are through the roof, pun intended at the moment. So people are signing up to hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of debt. They don't know any other way. And then they gradually spend the next decade or two decades chip, 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 chipping away at the mortgage. It's a struggle. I've got to work. Oh, I hate my job, but I've got to go to it. And then you end up with a with a house that's probably debt-free and you are asset-rich and income poor. So you've got this giant house that you now own, but you need the pension to survive because living in your house doesn't bring in any income. Yeah. And, and this is the myth that we perpetuate. Because there is another way where you still end up with a house, but you go through the investing road first and you can have your house debt-free, plus you can have investments that generate income, which mean you don't need the pension. I mean, I retired when I was 32, and the only way I could do that was not follow the road that everyone else went down. I had to do things differently, and I say success comes from doing things differently. Once again, if you do what everyone else has done, you'll get what everyone else has got. If you want something different, you have to do something different, and that's what Money Magnet's about. Money Magnet's the book that I wish someone had given me when I was a teenager about, hey, follow this, do this, don't make the mistakes that everyone else is doing, and just let time and trend be your friend. You can still spend money. You can still go on an overseas trip. You can even still buy a house. But do it under these parameters, under these guidelines, and make sure you don't end up poor. Mm. Now, poor is more than a financial situation. Poor, I think, Luke, and a lot of people don't know this, poor is often a mindset. And that mindset is inherited 
and also gained when people don't know how else to behave. Yeah. A lot of people might be listening to this conversation and having emotional reactions and responses and very different ones. And for some, it could be, this is so empowering and delightful and yes, there's a, a different way. I've always felt like I needed to, to approach this differently. Let me dig into this and they're excited to get going. And others are like, yes, absolutely, you're right. I know it, I hear it and then hit overwhelm and fear and effectively are going to do anything but try and dig deeper because it hurts. <laughs> it sucks and I'm filled with regret and I don't know that I can do it and it's easy. It's, the subconscious, it's easier if I don't even try <laughs> Absolutely. You've, you've experienced it and you've seen it all before. What would you say? Well, well, things aren't going to get better on their own. And what do you find yourself – well, what do you do if you find yourself digging a hole? Step one, stop digging. I use this analogy pretty frequently. If you're at the beach and you're swimming and you start off between the flags, you think you're safe, but then all of a sudden something happens and you're caught in a rip. Maybe you're a good enough swimmer to swim your way out of it. Most people aren't. And even if you are an Olympic swimmer, you can still get sucked out with the with the rip. What do you do? Do you just allow yourself to get sucked out to oblivion? Or do you put your hand up and say, oh, I'm in trouble. I need help. If you can have the humility to put your hand up and say, you know what? I don't have control of my finances. Things aren't in control. I need help. W- would someone help me? Then if you put that out there and being a person of faith, I'd encourage you to pray about it, then help is around. Help is at hand, no matter how desperate your situation. If you got into it, you can get out of it. Maybe being a a multi-trillionaire is no longer possible. You need to be anyway. What about if you're at a stage in life where you're already retired and you're like, if only I had have known this when I, were early, when I was younger or earlier in my life. What about the people you can teach? What about the, the people you can influence and say, this is the, what I did but it didn't work for me. This is what I recommend you do so you can avoid the mistakes that I make. So not only can you help yourself, you can also help others. And that's the empowering message that I want to get out there. And that's really why I wrote Money Magnet. I'm giving away all the royalties, Luke. I don't need more money. God's blessed me abundantly, fantastically with wealth already. So the, the book's not a, a chance for me to add more zeros to what I've already got. The book is about an empowering message to help people bust out of this situation, this mental prison that they're in that they don't know how to get out of. And, hey, get in control of your finances once for all and forever. I absolutely love it. Every moment with you is always richer with how I think about you know my not only my money but where I want my life to go and how money can be the vehicle or the enemy to get me there. Steve McKnight is the author of the book Money Magnet: How to Attract and Keep a Fortune That Counts. And mate, it's it's been a pleasure to catch up, and uh, we're going to have to connect over a coffee in real life at some point soon. It's been too long, but uh, thank you so much for your heart and what you shared with us. God bless you, mate. 